there were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello and welcome to this month's Flicking, our monthly rootle around one of our favourite films in a bid to convince the other two that it's worth a watch. I am joined as ever by Yosra Osman. Yosra, hello. Hello. And Hannah Dunleavy. Hannah, hello. 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 Didn't even wait for me to hello you. She's very excited and that is because Hannah is in charge this week. So Hannah, what have you had us watching and why do you love it? This time I had us watching Four Lions, the tale of a hapless terror cell in Sheffield and its plan to blow up a mosque slash marathon slash branch of boots. (laughs) Conceived and directed by Chris Morris, he realised he needed some pretty great dialogue in this, so he went to the right people. He went to Jesse Armstrong, Sam Bain, and they brought in Simon Blackwell. And, yeah, I absolutely adore it. It's 2010. That's the year, obviously. Chris Morris is one of the most culturally astute people working in the arts. And I say one of, because we're lucky enough to live in a time where Armando Anucci is also working. How spoiled we are. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse Armstrong is one of the greatest writers of that sort of dialogue that doesn't feel so much like you're hearing it, but like it's being machine gunned into you. If you love succession and you love that rapid patter, of insults then you are absolutely going to love Four Lions because that's where he really honed that craft I think it becomes really clear I mean I've got a really happy memory of watching it with my dad it features two of the most beautiful men alive (laughs) Um, someone I know is in it and I've talked to them about it that's Craig Parkinson and I think it's got a really really worthwhile moral about the dangers of certainty But I want to start with something that we generally forget when we talk about our favourite films because we just assume that everybody knows that. And that is that this film is really, really, really fucking funny. Like, hilariously funny. It is one of only four occasions that I can recall where I've totally lost my shit, like been unable to control myself laughing to the degree that it's become a hindrance to the people around me to continue enjoying the film. <laughs> and that did happen in this film. I've probably told you this before, but it's the moment where they're in the van and then they cut back to the van and they're all singing, dancing with the moonlight. Even thinking about it <laughs> makes me just totally lose my shit. Yeah, it's got so much. I mean, Kevin Novak gets the funny lines, most of the funny lines, but there's so many bits. So I thought that that's where we'd start in the... Of the reasons, and I'm doing a spoiler because I know you both seen this before and I know you both like it. Of the funny bits, what are the really, really funny bits that leap out to you here? Kayvon Novak? <laughs> like, yeah. pretty much every time Anything he he's says. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite is when Omar Riz Ahmed's character is pretending to be on the phone and then he puts <laughs> the pretend phone down and was Kayvon Novak's character just goes, it was on the phone. <laughs> it's so good it's so good yeah I also love the bit where he is on the phone to Benedict Cumberbatch and Benedict Cumberbatch asks him if he's an arse man and uh, (laughs) he puts the phone down and then he just says fucking boy George (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and there's something about the datedness of all of his references. This isn't dated because it's 2010. It's just he has a number of really dated references. It really makes me laugh. Yosra. Oh, gosh, where do I start? I mean, I it, this is a laugh-out-loud film for me. The, the thing I always say to people is when you watch it, even if you just blank out for five seconds, you've probably missed a bit of a gem there in the dialogue because it's just yeah. it's just constant. But my favourite moment, I mean, the bit where they go to Pakistan and Omar's got the missile. <laughs> and the first time I watched it, I laughed lots because he just, he, he does it the wrong way. But, yeah. And then a few times later, I've, I mean, I've watched this film countless times, but one of the recent times I watched it, I didn't even realise, but there's actually an arrow on the missile, which is pointing in the way that you're meant to shoot it. And he just... <laughs> And the camera just puts it on him so you can see the arrow literally pointing the wrong way. I just laugh every single time. I mean, when they're talking about boots, blown up boots because they sell condoms that make you shag white girls. I mean, it's just ridiculous (laughs) dialogue. I could go on. It's so, so funny. Yeah, it really is. I I was saying, I said to Mickey yesterday, I love that bit where they're at that thing at the university and... uh, Barry turns up and shouts, he's being rendered. And it's just so ludicrous. It's so absolutely ludicrous. In fact, there's a bit when they're in Pakistan, when they're talking about the fucked up rabbits with no ears, where actually <laughs> you can chicken, see... Hannah. <laughs> you, it's the fucked up rabbit with no ears, Mickey. You can actually see <laughs> the pair of them laughing. They are barely holding it together. Riz Ahmed's like Riz Ahmed in that scene. All of Omar is gone and he's just laughing because it's so ludicrous so totally and utterly ludicrous yeah I love it and now I don't want to move the conversation on to something that you might touch on later Hannah so please tell me if I'm doing that and I can edit this bit out but I differ from both of you I do think it's so smart and it's really funny and it does make me laugh and it makes me smile a lot but the underlying sadness the futility, the wastefulness of what it's talking about kind of kills some of the laugh for me. Yeah, because actually the final, after they're all dead, the final... (laughs) Sorry, I was just thinking, again, I mean, it's just so ludicrous, but when he comes around on that, the costumes, everything, but when he comes out and he's riding that emu and he sort of rises up like that, and five minutes later he's dead. It is, yeah. But the credit sequence even though it also contains a really hilarious line when Craig Parkinson talks about, you know, how most loud noises are just scooters backfiring. Um, There is a real absolute fucking terror in that of what is going to happen to Omar's brother at this point. Mm. He's in that crate and it's it's totally terrifying. So yes, I think there is a, a roller coaster of emotions in this, although laughing is what you primarily do. It is very sad and it is also very, very troubling. But that's the genius of the film for me. Mm. I I do not deny at all that it's sad. It's horrific. You know, particularly the last act where they're actually in London. It's, you know, I it's one of those films I go into it I'm laughing but I'm always really sad at the Mm. end of it really sad because not just because you know they do actually no matter what their change of mind is when they go to London they do actually take some innocent lives but you just see that behind it all it's just so sorrowful and such a waste of these people that they've this is what they think they were going to do and then just the whole way they play it with the conversations on the phone and what does your brain what does your heart tell you Mm. there's a lot in that that really kind of you know I've even even cried watching this film but I think Mm -hmm. that's the genius of Chris Morris in a way he's as you say he's so astute he's so 
brilliant at writing these types of comedies that you can laugh like and I really laugh watching it but also get quite emotional it is a ballsy as fuck move to humanize terrorists right Mm. exactly Yeah. yeah because what they also show in that final thing is what we normally see of terrorists which is grainy cctv camera shots Mm. that's how we know those people normally and that's how we see them and in particular you know wadge and fezzle are not able to make decisions by themselves they are being manipulated and that i believe is one of chris morris's points you know that there is a vulnerableness to young men and they can be put in the wrong direction or pointed in the wrong direction by other people around them. Totally. They're not smart or old or experienced enough to know why they're going to fight for what they're being told they they should be fighting for, for this ideology. And I think that's another real sadness and wastefulness that's depicted within the film is that I don't think any of them believe in it. None of them believe in the ideology, except for maybe Barry. Mm. Do you think they believe in the ideology? No, I mean, I don't think so. In fact, humanising Omar as well as he does, you know, great job, Riz Ahmed. But still, the thing that makes me furious is that all of this happens because he wants to get one up on Barry. Mm. All of this happens. He doesn't want to admit. So actually, I think it says a lot about, you know, the male psychology as much as it says anything about sort of fundamentalism. I mean, just briefly going back to the funny, I mean, I to prove a point, I actually watched this two nights in a row to do this and <laughs> laughed at a different thing every single time because there is so much there. You're such a professional, Hannah. Thank you so much for <laughs> yeah. putting yourself through that. <laughs> but also, also watching it twice in a row, you do spot other things that you haven't spot, like emotional key notes mm. that you haven't spotted. Because, because Fezzle... He basically moves from being utterly dependent on his dad to make all his life decisions to being utterly dependent on Omar to make all his life Mm. decisions. It's a real tragedy. Yeah, sorry, I had to stifle a giggle there because I just had a flash image of him grabbing a box and putting it on his head. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Barry because I think Barry is a fucking fascinating character and I'll tell you why. (laughs) My friend John grew up in Barking, so, you know, East London... John is on our podcast every week. Well, exactly that. John does an incredible impersonation of Barking Man. You know, the sort of men that he grew up around. And it is for that reason that I went to him to ask him to do the voice on our sexism of the week because it's absolutely perfect. And he can do this, you know, little impersonation of the sort of, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic claptrap that a lot of East London men of a certain generation talk. Mm -hmm. And that impersonation is basically utterly indistinguishable from Barry. They're almost exactly the same. Barry is sexist, Barry is racist, Barry is this East London sort of boy that has just fallen into this world. And he hasn't had to change any of his attitudes. He just now says, I'm a Muslim, which enables him to speak about the other ones in the way that he speaks about them. Yeah, yeah, the, the ideology. Going back to me thinking that none of them really believe in it, even Barry doesn't massively believe in it. It's just an excuse for him mm. to be who he is. Yeah, to be someone. He's a horrible character. Oh, he's awful, he really he? is. He's awful. He's horrible. And you're right. He just has these attitudes anyway. He could use anything to, to bring them out. But it's interesting because you feel as you're watching it as well, because he's white, he's often trying to prove something to the others. So he really becomes quite outlandish with what he's saying and tries to be sort of... Again, we were talking a bit, a bit about how 
Omar's trying to one-up him all the time. It's just in itself, even if you don't think about the kind of fundamentalism behind it, it is this kind of view of egos and mm. infighting between and these pride. people in a group and just pride. And Barry is just, he's just a typical, I don't know, really proud, arrogant, sexist, racist individual. He's just horrible, really. I'm glad he, he... exploded. No, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> he does explode in the funniest Yes, fashion, he does. Although sadly, or sadly take someone with him. Yeah. I was going to say, but really even that's really sad too, yeah. because that poor guy that was trying to save his life, it's just, yeah. Yeah, so... I have a question, given it's quite topical currently because there is a, a film called Lady of Heaven, which is currently been pulled from cinemas because of a protest. Yeah, let's say a protest because of a protest uh, by Muslims about the content of it. And I'm not having not seen that. I'm not read that much about it. I'm not going to get involved in that conversation. But it does strike me when you look at four lions this was made in 2010 there's a couple of other big cultural sort of successful films or plays or whatever around that time do you think the fact that they're only 10 12 years old Mm -hmm. that they in some way would be less susceptible to criticism by the current mood than Mm. they are now and they're not another one i would say i mean four lines is definitely one another one i would say is neil blomkvist district nine which has been uh, accused of having like a white savior narrative which it, it didn't just like 12 years ago that wasn't a conversation that came up now when four lines was made it was clear that any protest might come either from british muslims who felt it was an unfair categorization of them and british conservatives who felt it was too soon to laugh at terrorism However, I think were this being made now, the biggest problem it will come up against is it is four white men writing a film about non-white men. And I think that would be the sort of the big problem with it being made now. And I just wondered how you felt about that, whether it be made now or what issues it has that perhaps haven't aged as well. I feel like you've mostly answered the question before asking it and you've answered it very well Hannah thank you I think you know nail on head there I would also add that I think the subtleties that Chris Morris throws into his work that tiptoeing of the line between dark and it being funny dark and it being horrific would not stand the test of people looking to find fault in stuff which I think a lot of people be it editors or critics or just certain demographics in the general public are now looking to find things to be pissed off about Mm. yeah twitter or whatever and i think they just wouldn't get the subtleties because they wouldn't want to get the subtleties because nuance is dead (laughs) so yeah 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 a couple of things i mean when i watch it it's very clear that there are sensitivities at play. I mean, each of these characters that have been written, none of them, even Barry to some extent, none of them are truly a bad guy. We can sympathise with all of them. And I think there's a lot of sensitivity in the portrayal of Islam, if you really look at it, and especially because who's the person that is going to get locked up? It's um, Omar's brother, Mm -hmm. who is deeply religious, but would never dream of doing anything under terrorism. I think it's very sensitive. Yes, it's written by four white guys. However, I listened to a podcast where they talked about how they wrote the film. 
they did get a lot of insights from Muslim people and they mm. did, you know, it's not just them going off and thinking, oh gosh, this must be how it is really. And this is how terrorists are. And this, this is Islam. I think they really, you know, did a lot of research and worked with communities to try and make this as relevant, but as sensitively done as I think it comes across. Riz Ahmed sent it to Mozambique mm-hmm. while he was in Guantanamo and asked him whether he thought it was an acceptable portrayal of Muslims. And the answer back was yes. And mm-hmm. that's why Riz Ahmed signed up to it. Yeah, I mean, I've got family members that are Muslim. And to me, I never saw any issue with it when I, when I watched it. I think it is really, really sensitively done. And yes, there will be people, as Mickey said, that will be watching it now and will not see, not see any nuance and will still find something to complain about. They probably did back then as well. I mean, it is a brave comedy. Yeah. And if you haven't ruffled a few feathers, then for Chris Morris, what's the point of making it, really? Absolutely. Totally, totally. Absolutely. And I think it's worth adding as well that, like, you know, while someone might argue there's no sort of voice of reason like there's no asian representation or muslim representation who is the voice of reason and is just you know getting along with white culture and i'm putting that in inverted commas but everyone in it is an idiot it doesn't matter where they're coming from like the police are idiots the the guys trying to take the shot are idiots and there's kind of like hinted at their racism they don't know the difference between the honey monster and a wookie or a bear uh craig parkinson's character's in an idiot everyone in it is an idiot so it's like a level playing field as far as that's yeah. concerned yeah i was just thinking that because the police in the marathon scenes they are just as inept as the terrorists incompetent they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> so incompetent at what they're doing yeah. and yeah there's not really a likable figure in fact probably the most likable figures are um faisal and um and Waj. Waj. yeah yeah probably mm. Waj. Yeah, oh, wow. I love Wadge. And it's the yeah. saddest thing when Otterface Cumberbatch asks him okay. what are his demands and he just goes, I don't have any. You know, rubber dinghy rapids, rubber dinghy rapids. And it's just so sad. Oh, yeah. here's that last line. I'm a bit confused. It's just, yeah, it, it's, te- is it? I'm a bit confused. He says, he definitely says something. Yeah, he says, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Horrifying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because we can talk about how this is about British Muslims, but, you know, we're talking about... We've been talking about the Muslim bit. Let's talk about the British bit, because it's interesting that the thing that unites them at the end is not a rallying cry to do with their faith. It's a rallying cry to do with their nationality. It's four lions that's the thing that unites them at the end and it is really interesting so I think yeah what do you think it says about about Britishness or British men Ooh, it's all uh, it's all machismo and we've talked about it that one-upmanship that hubris I mean all we have to do is look at our fucking government and the politics which is <laughs> you know predominantly still very male and the amount of shit that Britain's in because some bloke has decided that that's going to be good for his ego looking at you David Cameron don't really want to look at you David Cameron and I think it you know it does typify that like Riz Ahmed's character Omar I think we're supposed to find him likeable and I do not like him because he is this self-centered man I'm confused by Sophia and maybe we'll talk about her Mm. but yeah he gets that moment of clarity when Barry says what you've just done to Waj 
is exactly what I've just done to Hass. You know, I mean, obviously he has just blown Hass up, so it's not exactly the same. But he's like, you took away his choice, Omar Sharon. You took away his choice. And he's like, well, you've just confused him into thinking his choice isn't his choice. Mm. And that makes you as big an arsehole. And I kind of, God, I agree with Barry on something. So, yeah, I agree with Barry on that. <laughs> I'm pushing Mickey into the back of the boot of the car now. <laughs> I don't understand why I'm wearing this Ninja Turtle outfit. <laughs> Yosra? I mean, I don't really, really have much to okay. add. I think, it, I think it is all about that bravado and egos against each other, really. That's what it shows. I think Mickey did it perfectly. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> Okay, so then yeah, let's talk about Rosalba's family in this, Omar's family, because I think one of the most striking moments in this film is when he goes to see her in the hospital, mm. he goes to see his wife in the hospital, and he says, I'm taking me lads up to the top floor, you know, I'll see you later. And she can't really react because she's talking to a couple of coppers about the arrest of, as it turns out, her brother-in-law, because, you know, the coppers are stupid and they've got the wrong guy. Or have they? I'm sure they can manage to work out a way to prove that he was involved. Sort that out in Egypt. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, God, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. But that moment where she just looks at him and sort of sees him go and she sort of smiles, it's such a striking moment that that is her response to it because she doesn't have a response of, how am I going to raise my son? Oh, my God, my incredibly handsome husband is gone forever. It's a positive reaction to have. And that is, I think, of all of the mindsets that they're in, for me, the hardest mindset to try and associate with because she, up until that point, has seemed quite normal, has seemed quite Mm. rational, has seemed quite smart. Oh, my God. Like, you see that totally different to me. I don't think she smiles. I think she's confused. And I think her face does a little downturn, like, oh, shit, he's actually doing it. Because yeah. I can't work out whether with all her, oh, you were much more chipper when you were going to blow yourself up, love. I don't yeah. know whether that's supposed to be because she believes she's a believer. Given how they live their life is not very extreme. So I don't know whether that is just her going, no, I'm a believer too, or whether that is her just being like, all right, love, if it makes you happy. And I fall down in the latter camp. I've been really thinking about this. And I don't think she smiles at all. I think she's like, oh, my God, he's actually going to do it. Yeah, I agree. She's a very difficult character for me to... Every time I watch it, I I have a different thought about her. And yeah, there are those scenes with the son as well, Mm. where they're talking about quite extremist... In in a sort of extremist sense. But using Disney characters. But they're using Disney characters. And I think she's just... It's kind of the talk. I... I the more I watch it the more I think she doesn't actually think because let's face it even Omar who is sort of the leader and is is seen as maybe the more sensible one he's kind of inept and a bit dumb as well yeah, yeah. just like the rest of them she probably thinks oh they're never that, that group look oh, at them they're never actually gonna go and yeah. do it are they so yeah. I, I actually do think in that scene where he says about the top floor she's a bit like oh what really yeah, yeah. but she can't she can't say anything she can't do anything because she's got the coppers with her isn't well, that interesting? I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it again. again oh, what such a pro! Another hardship for Hannah. <laughs> I know. I know. Just to add to the Sophia and the family bit, because I think if we if we believe that she believes, she is then okay with raising her little boy to kill himself. Yeah, well, that's why I find her difficult. <laughs> but she, I think difficult. she's a very difficult character. Yeah, I think she's really but... complex. Given that there were very few women in it, like they chucked a lot at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And this film does have, given, it's pretty niche. And like I say, I watched this with my dad and I wasn't ever entirely sure what he was going to make of it, but he absolutely fucking loved it. Uh, the bit that hit, made him lose his shit was the, you know, is that a bear? You know, the <laughs> down, all, all of that stuff. It has a massive cult following, and I do know that because Craig Parkinson said to me when I talked to him about it, he said to me, he always knows when it's been on the telly because everyone starts tweeting squat jugs at him. <laughs> squat um, jugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it, it, it has an interesting place in sort of the British cinema pantheon, partly as well because Chris Morris doesn't make that much stuff. Mm. So it really is held up as the sort of Chris Morris film of the decade. You know, or I would say it is probably the funniest British film we've made this century, personally. Interesting. It is one of my favourite comedies of all time. Just also because taking, especially in 2010, when we were talking about Islamic extremism a lot more than perhaps we are now, mm. to take that subject matter and and do it in such a as we talked about sensitive. You know, this film isn't about Islam, which I keep trying to tell people all the time. Mm. It's it's about fundamentalism and you could apply it to any kind of fundamentalism actually Mm. to take that and do it so well it's just up there as yeah one of my absolute favorites so I mean I I said this to you last time when you mentioned that this was the film you were going to choose but I I agree I think it's one of the best British comedies yeah like you say that that it is about moral certainty and the dangers of moral certainty. So it could be another terrorist group. It could be about a set in the seventies and be about the IRA. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, about about a group of incels. Yeah. The point is, it's about the dangers of thinking that you are absolutely one hundred percent right. And I, 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 to be honest, in twenty twenty two, I think that's as topical now as it ever was. <laughs> Isn't there a line that Barry even says where he goes, just because you're right doesn't mean you win an argument or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think it does. I think in 2022, I don't think the phrase was in use in 2010, but there's a lot of purity spiralling going on in Four Lions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a huge success as a film and as a choice, Hannah. Hooray. Yeah, yeah, man, I love it. I've managed to keep my absolute love Kayvan Novak under controlled a little bit, but not much. <laughs> God is so beautiful. Ridiculously, ridiculously beautiful. So yeah, this is why Hannah watches this film every other day. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it again. I only yeah. watched it this morning and I already want to watch it again with all these yeah. new insights. I had the joy of introducing it to Gary, he'd never seen it before, and he was like, This is amazing. I was like, yeah, it's really very good. It's really very good. Yeah. Okay, well, who's up next? Tis I, Leclerc. No, it, it is me, yeah. uh, not Hello, Hello. And I'm going a little bit maverick here, right? Because I am choosing an incredibly new film, but one that I have seen three times since it came out in November 2021. And it does already have a little bit of nostalgia attached for me. And we are going to be watching Ghostbusters Afterlife. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Standard issue for all women. <laughs> 